Every week we do a Q&A with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community to find how they persevered, how they innovated, how they built communities, and how they found solutions. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast, where we talk with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community. We have an interesting story today. We have Jamie Nieto, who, as a high jumper, jumped seven feet, eight inches. He competed in the Olympics. He won the trials. He's an actor. He's a producer. He's a writer. He also, the reason he ended up here is was doing a, he was doing a backflip and it didn't go quite as well as he had hoped and ended up having a spinal cord injury. And he's in the midst of a massive recovery as well. So, so Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Chris. This is really cool. I mean, you've done, just in looking at your introduction, you have run the gamut of so many different things. I kind of want to start with the with the high jumping thing, because for me, just watching high jump, it's kind of like you guys defy gravity. Like this is a, it, it is a different world than anything else where you're jumping over a bar that is that is a foot and four inches over your head yeah yeah does that make sense to you i mean obviously you've done it a lot but to look at that do you look at that thing and go i i don't know how i'm going to get over it i mean obviously you have to have the confidence to get over it but does it does it fully make sense because it looks incomprehensible from the outside uh yeah no i just pray a lot you know <laughs> To a lot of praying like please let me get over this bar yeah i mean that but also you know it, you, you build up to it you know what i mean it's it's one of those things i started as a junior in high school and um you know i'm six foot four and uh, my goal was just to jump over my head i thought that'd be cool and uh eventually i did that and and just kind of kept progressing and get higher and higher you know i i used to kind of have this thing where I, I would never really get too close to the bar because when you get too close to the bar it looks like unfathomably high, but if you stay back like 70 meters or whatever, like, yeah, you're like, oh, it's not that high. I don't want to say meters, I'm sorry, like 70 feet. You know, it's not like that high. So it's like, okay, maybe you can kind of like eye over it, you know, you're like, I can maybe get over that, you know what I mean? And so, so I never really got too close to the bar just for that simple fact. It it's kind of a vanishing point where, where it's like everything starts getting a little bit smaller if it's farther away, so. Exactly, exactly. So you have to have awesome respect for the bar and for for the process too, right? How many how many steps is it for you? And you you jump off of your right foot, right? Yes, yes. yes. Uh, I took ten steps. Um, so it's, that's that's kind of an average. You know, people go twelve or more sometimes. Sometimes they go you know eight. Even at six is kind of very rare, but you know. Uh, but I think 10 is around the average that most people do. 10 is the average and, and you kind of, you kind of ease into it, then you gain it and you have to kind of, you know, drop the hips a little bit and then plant off your, outs your outside foot, which I think that most people don't watch kind of assume that it's the inside foot as opposed to the outside foot. Now, are you, are you left-handed? Is that why you go off of your right foot or? No, no, I'm right-handed. I'm kind of goofy footed. So, um, I guess I had this when I was st first starting out my sophomore year I played basketball and 
uh, I, you know, doing my best to try to dunk. And so I kind of kept figuring if I learned how to dunk with my left hand first, then dunking with my right hand should be no problem. But I just kept working on trying to dunk with my left hand. So when I was trying to jump, I was jumping on my right foot using the left hand, not realizing that I was training myself to get stronger on the right leg. So when I went out to do the high jump the next year and I tried both sides, naturally the right leg felt more comfortable because it was stronger. So that's how that kind of ended up happening. <laughs> that is interesting because as you said, most people are right-handed. So most people are jumping off of their left leg. Right. And, and But yeah, you're coming in from the other side. Part of your celebration, I watched it when you were when you were uh, when you won at the trials. Mm -hmm. is, is this sort of backflip, like back handspring kind of thing? So it's not an entire backflip, but sort of where you're landing on your hands and going over. Is, is that what happened? When is that what you're doing when you when you actually had the accident? Yeah. So um, you know, I was I was coaching and uh, we were doing some drills and some jumping drills, and then we kind of off to the side and we were doing backflips and like I remember talking to a friend maybe a month earlier than that he was like oh you can't do a backflip and I'm like of course I can still do a backflip so I did one and I like got it on video and then um I did another one and I was like oh that was kind of cool I was like let me try one more I'm gonna see if I can jump up just like a little bit higher and it's always like that that let me try one more kind of a thing and and I was on AstroTurf and um I don't you know when I bent down and pushed up my foot kind of slipped and and, and it just Threw me off and so my feet kind of split in the air as opposed to just kind of being normally together and and i literally went from my feet to my head and then my body just kind of toppled over and at that moment i heard a voice that said um don't worry you're gonna be okay you just gotta go through this and i felt like that was like the voice of god telling me like this is gonna be tough but you're going to make it you know and so uh so at that moment then like all these like kind of like my life kind of flashed before my eyes and I was thinking about, I mean, this is all happening in split seconds, you know, and thinking about people who were in wheelchairs that made a comeback, people who broke their neck and came back, like all these different, and then my life and all these different things. And then, you know, all of a sudden I kind of snap out of it when the athletes come over, comes over and looks at me and he's like, and I'm like, called 911, I'm hurt real bad. But I couldn't really talk very loud because when you, um injure something uh so high uh which was uh, the disc between c3 and c4 it slipped and bruised the spinal cord it affects your diaphragm so um like breathing was super hard um and talking at any loud level was an another very difficult thing so these are all things that i had to kind of relearn to do again and, and build up a tolerance and a strength for um you know after the injury so did you hear like like the crack kind of thing? Like your head had to hit the hit the ground, right, or hit the astral turf, and and it's just it's all so close to your ears. I would imagine that that had to be just a moment of a moment of pause, a moment of fear. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Because I, I think after that that you know that message, I was like, oh, please God, don't let me be paralyzed. Because I couldn't move. I was trying to move my my arms and legs and nothing would move. Um, and, and when it happened, I just, just felt like something hit me in the head. You know, it, I didn't feel like a crack or any pop or anything like that. Um, so nothing was broken per se. It was just the disc that slipped and bruised the spinal cord. Um, and, and then like, you know, I had like a little bump on my head, but it wasn't 
too, too serious. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Wow. And so where did it, where did it go from there? Cause, cause your wife, uh, Siobhan, right? Siobhan. Yes. Right. Yeah. It was an Olympian as well running in running for Jamaica, but she decided that she was going to take some time off and actually be with you that this was this was the journey I mean so many people look at the Olympic journey and go that is like the quintessential journey that you could be on but she joined you on this journey and what I mean it sounded like from the beginning you weren't accepting what you know the the circumstances what people might have thought right that they said hey you know you're going to be paralyzed this is the way it's going to go it sounded like what was the when was was that from the beginning or did you have a moment did it work between the two of you how did you how did you come to that realization of like no no that you don't know me this is what i'm going to do yeah uh yeah so yeah my wife is also a two-time olympian and that year she was going for her third olympics and she was in the middle of the season and, uh, you know, April is when it happened of uh, 2016. And, uh, you know, she was, you know, trying for that team, but, and then this happened and, uh, you know, she got the call and she was still trying to train for a little while, even while I was in the hospital. And I think she just kind of came to the realization, like, this is too hard for her to do, to be able to like focus on me and focus on track at the same time. And, uh, you know, her love for me, ultimately, um, you know, put her in a position where she decided to make a decision that she was going to give up track and field and retire right then to help me get back on my feet. Was there, did you say, no, no, you need to go do this. Like, I'm, I'm going to find my way. No, definitely. Definitely. I was like, I, I don't want you to have to do that for me. Like, you don't have to do that. Like, I'll be here. You can still continue to train, go and come back. I'll, I'll still be here, you know? So, uh, but she, she just couldn't focus and she couldn't do that. And um, you know, and then ultimately her giving up that dream, um, you know, I mean, I, I learned so many things, but at that moment too, I, I decided that whatever else she was passionate about, I was going to help her to, to be the best at and help her be able to achieve that dream, whatever that other thing was. And the other thing was singing. And, you know, we talked a little bit briefly about that. And so once I got out of the, um, the hospital, uh, you know, I just started encouraging her to start writing again and start singing again. And, uh, you know, we found a producer and uh, we made a few songs and we found another producer that we really liked and we made some more songs. And, um, you know, she wrote a song that she wanted to dedicate to me called Through the Good and the Bad. And um, uh, so I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. Uh, but also, you know, we had before the injury, we had talked about marriage and everything. And, um, and I was starting to save some money so I could buy a ring. And um, then the accident happened. And, uh, but I was waiting kind of till after the Olympics before I was gonna propose. And, uh, but obviously we didn't get to that point. So when I was in the hospital, I told her, you know, it's, it, when you get injured, you know, so many, especially like, I felt like it was so close to death. Like, I felt like, you know, you can't take everything, all, things for granted, you know, like we take so many things for granted you know, in our life that we don't really realize that it's a blessing for us to be able to do, you know, just getting up in the morning, being able to brush your teeth, like getting out of bed, obviously walking, you know, like those things, you don't have to be doing those things. Somebody could be doing those things for you, you know? So, so I just started to realize, you know, all the things that I took for granted and just realized that 
you know, tomorrow's not promised. And so, you know, while we were in the hospital, I said, hey, I'm ready. If you want to get married, you know, this is after she decided to, uh, to, to, to uh, you know, quit track and field and retire. Um, and she said, uh, no, no, let's wait till you get out of the hospital and kind of get back on your feet. And I said, okay. And so, uh, you know, I, I was in the hospital for like two months and then eventually I got out. And um, maybe a month or two afterwards, I said, you know, I still want to do this. And she was like, okay. And so we went and started looking for some rings. And then uh, I found a ring and proposed to her. And I told her that, you know, uh, I'm going to walk her down the aisle. I said, that's my goal. And so this was like, you know, the end of 2016. And uh, so I started training. And at this point in time, I, I was barely like standing on my feet, you know, uh, you know, and I was trying to take steps. I was like maybe falling into like two or three steps, you know, at uh, the rehab facility that I was going to. And so, um, you know, it's well, really you've, you've definitely gone through a lot of stuff in a short period of time. So let's let's take a little bit of a step back. So in the hospital, I mean, you you broke C3-4. So C3-4 is really high. And the higher the level you break, you said it affected your diaphragm. But the big the big differentiator for a lot of quadriplegics is whether you have tricep or not, mm -hmm. you know, as far as function. So you you did not have tricep. You did not have you did not have great hand function. No, nothing nothing was moving from my chest down. Nothing was moving when I when when I first got injured, um, and it just it, it took some time for things to come back. Uh, it, it was, you know, it was definitely hard. I mean, I think it took at least a month or more before I started to have any little bit of movement in my finger, you know, and we were trying to do stuff and nothing was happening. And every morning when I went, when I, after I got out of ICU and I got to the rehab hospital, every morning I woke up, I was just um, visualizing myself. I had these phantom movements, even though I, I wasn't moving, I could feel myself moving. So I would squeeze my hands and open them, squeeze my hands and open them. And I was doing sets of those um, in the morning. I'm saying that nothing was happening. My hands weren't moving, but in my mind, they were closing and opening, closing, opening, closing. So I was doing it. I kept doing that for, for like two weeks. And then after two weeks, then I had a little bit of a twitch uh, of, some, of some fingers, maybe seven of the fingers started to kind of move a little bit. And then eventually later that week, I think all 10 finally moved. But um, I didn't break C3 and C4. They were still fine. It was just the disc that actually slid through the spinal cord. So what they had to do was pull the disc, put it back into place, and infuse C3 and C4. Um, so that's what happened. Um, and then it was just kind of a, a waiting game. The doctor told my uh, wife, uh, girlfriend at the time, that I would probably regain about 30% functionality, which is you know, probably feeding myself kind of a thing, you know. And being a quadriplegic, I mean, breaking your neck, you're... It, there, there's a higher likelihood of being an incomplete injury with breaking your neck than, than there is sort of breaking your back. It, and, and so, so that had to provide a little bit of hope. What was the, what was the thought process? I mean, obviously you were doing whatever you could, right? You're, you're, you're going to the phantom opening, your opening your hands, closing your hands, but what's the thought process? Cause it, it had to look like a really long road. Yeah, it, it did and it does. You know, uh, it was one of those things where it was like I had my faith to kind of fall back and rely on that. I felt like God 
told me, you're going to make a full recovery. You know, it's just going to take some time. And so, and my wife felt the same way. And, you know, so when the doctor told us 30%, we just didn't accept it. We were like, okay, that's, you know, what you're saying. And that's probably what you're supposed to say. But we know that I'm going to regain everything at some point in time, you know. And uh, so uh, I knew that if it was just about training and working out and doing that type of thing, uh, that wouldn't be a problem because I've been doing that all my life. Uh, I didn't realize at that time that it was it was more than just training. It was like relearning and teaching your body to uh, to do certain things again and, and waiting for the nerves to kind of regrow those neural pathways that will allow your muscles to do what they're supposed to do. It's totally, it totally makes sense. I mean, some of it, like being a jumper, it's such a technical uh, event, right? This is this, what you do. It's a technical movement, a series of movements. So that part of it, and and it sounds like it was it was the coupling of that with the faith part as well. Were you always were were, were you always as devout? Is that something that became more profound during the injury, or did it not change, or was it the you know the thing that you kind of leaned on and said this is this has been my belief and and this is the job that I have to do. Yeah, it was something that I leaned on and and it was something that I had already had in my life and I'd already been going to church and already had a relationship with God and stuff like that. So when it happened, it was like, all right, this is a big one. And I know that you have a plan for me and I'm just going to do my best to do what I can to, to, to follow that plan. And, and, you know, I prayed that one day I would get better. And I felt like God said, yeah, you will get better um, and you will make it back. And so I, I plan to be running again one day i know it might just take some time but i'll get there and i have time <laughs> it's not like the olympics are tomorrow you know what i mean like if it takes me you know two more years if it takes me five more years i'm i'm, I'm gonna get there you know what else do i have to do <laughs> you know i don't have to i don't have to jump at the olympics next year so you know like i and i don't want to like prolong it I'm, i want to do it as you know but certain things life comes up you have kids pandemic you know I can't work out as much as I want to. I do still work out at home, but you know, um, I hopefully once the pandemic is totally kind of cleared up, and that I can really kind of get back and do a rehab again, you know, instead of just doing it on my own. Yeah. But you did have a bit of a deadline, though, right? Because oh, when you that. finally decided that you were going to get married, you wanted to walk your wife down the aisle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that like as a, I mean, it's a deadline, it's a goal, it's a dream. What was that like having that to say, this is what I'm going to do? So, it, you know, it took some time. It, I basically, that was the end of, um, it was the end of 2016 and we got married in July. So that was about seven months um, of training and, uh, you know, a month or so went by, I was barely taking three steps. And then things started to progress a little bit more. Those three steps turned into six steps and then six steps turned into 12 and so on and so forth. And me and my wife had kind of made a prediction like, I'll probably take about 150 steps to get out of the church. And I was like, okay, so that's my goal. Let me shoot for 150 steps. So I started to literally train like the Olympics. So I, I kind of planned back from July 22nd being the day that I want to peak and kind of went all the way back to January, did all my hard base work for the first two or three months of like training and lifting weights and all that stuff. And then slowly tapered down to July. And then, you know, the last two weeks as I was getting ready for um, uh, the, the wedding, 
Uh, I think I, find, I had finally took 150 steps. I told my wife, I was like, yeah, I did it. I took 150. And she said, all right, great. Now do 200. Although, <laughs> but I, I did. I ended up doing 200 and I think six steps before the, the, the wedding. And, um, you know, I say it like, you know, it just happened just so it wasn't easy. It took a lot of hard work perseverance and determination and everything but I was able to do it and it was great we got a lot of publicity from it too and you know we have the ESPN uh sports center feature that's you know online and stuff like that and LA Times and a lot of people came to the wedding and and covered it and it was it was it was, it was a blessing it was, it was really awesome you talk about how similar it was training for walking down the aisle as it was training for the Olympics how different was it though because your body wasn't exactly the same, right? You're trying to make connections that weren't necessarily there. Uh, I'd imagine your patience had to be a lot better. Uh, you know, how much of it was different than, you know, did you have to approach it sort of physically differently? Yeah, definitely. I had to really kind of do the things that I can do, you know, those, whatever it was that I can do, those are the things that I worked on, you know, and the, the things that I couldn't do or, or, you know, I wasn't as good at then I could do those a little bit, but I wasn't 100% focused on those things. So it was like really just maximizing my strengths and weaknesses and trying to make the weaknesses better and make the strengths even more better, you know, if that makes sense. So. Right. But some of the weaknesses, you, you didn't know if those were going to be weaknesses or just like a blind spot, like a, like a, a you know, just this just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of like when you're training, you can train harder to train your to strengthen your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. But this is like this is this is a synapse that doesn't fire. This is a right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and and from you know that standpoint is, I just kind of kept my faith that you know what I need to do. I had the ability to do it, but uh, I needed to just work at it you know and and even now you know when you know things aren't happening the way I want I try to just relax and if I have to pray then I pray right then and there and 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 then I I'm able to do it or I'm not able to do it and I just move on you know what I mean so uh you know obviously you know I know that everybody out there it's not always coming back and those things aren't always firing happening you know I get it and uh it's just one of those things I think you just really got to keep working at it no matter what. I think eventually it, it, it will happen depending on, you know, the injury and what's going on. Um, I always, my, my coach always told me, you know, the body can handle, you know, enormous amounts of stress uh, and you can, you can train it to be able to handle that stress. And so that's what I was kind of thinking of as I was like training is like, I'm, my body is super stressed out. You know, I, the, the, the muscle strength has all went down to zero for the most part, you know, uh, and I'm starting with the deficit, but as long as I have something that I can work on, then I'll work on that. And then hopefully that will lead to other things. Um, and, and it did, you know, thank God, you know. Exactly. What was the, what were the nerves like? your nerves on the day of the wedding. So you've jumped in the Olympics, you have your your 10 steps, there's the precision. You know that you're going to have to do 
150 steps plus or minus a few. It sounds like you didn't do all of the math, so you didn't know exactly how many steps. Right. But suddenly you had all of these people watching you. You've had all these people watching. You've had billions, millions, billions of people watching you throughout your career. Right, yeah. But this is a little bit more intimate. What was what was that like? What were those nerves? Because, I mean, obviously it's a big day anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was, um, I was, I was more nervous, I think, of falling, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I think that was, that was the biggest thing, you know, like as I walked in, a friend of mine kind of like held under my arm. And then once I got onto the podium or the pulpit, um, I stood there and I had my cane nearby in case I felt tired. And then I was like, you know, okay, I can't do this. Just give me the cane so I can at least lean on the cane. But my pride and uh, sheer determination was like, get that cane. I'm not going to touch that cane. <laughs> well, you're a performer too, right? I mean, you performed, you were in the spotlight. Yeah, and I trained for this, you know, so like I, I knew that I was ready. Uh, I was just, I think, more nervous of just standing there and, uh, you know, like making sure that I didn't fall. And I felt like, you know, like I had my balance pretty good but I still could lose it. And then my wife comes in and she's singing a song. I didn't even know she was going to sing a song. She's singing a beautiful song coming down the aisle. And now all of a sudden I'm starting to tear up. Now I can't really see. And I'm like, oh God, that's definitely not what I want to do. Because <laughs> if you can't see, your balance is definitely going to go. So I, I couldn't look at her as she walked down the aisle, you know, and uh, I just try to uh, hold the tears back as best as possible. But it was a beautiful moment. And, and thank God it all worked out, you know. Yeah, that you were in conflict there because obviously you wanted to experience every moment of this momentous event. But at the same time, you had to stay focused to to be successful. And it really was about being successful, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then when she got up there, I could hold on to her, you know, hold hold my arm under hers or whatever. And I felt better but just being up there by myself and then I mean the pastor was there too so if I started to sway I guess I could have been hey man catch me you know (laughs) I could have said something but uh I was I didn't want to let that I didn't want to get to that point so uh you know it was a lot of focus and even you know to this day even when I'm trying to walk it's still a lot of focus and it's getting better and and not as uh difficult but it's, it's still a lot of focus like when I first started to walk with focus I mean it was Oh, man, it would wear me out taking like four or five steps. You know, it just like wear me out because my mind is thinking so hard and like, I guess every little stabilizer muscle in my body is firing too and some working and some not really working and, and you know, and some fighting against me and some not fighting against me. You know, like, so it was like, I would be like tired after doing a couple steps, you know, I would just be really, really drained. And now, you know, it's been some years and thank God, you know, I don't get as tired, but, you know, if I was to go outside with no crutches or cane or nothing and just tried to walk, that'd take a lot of energy, take a lot of energy because I'm going to be, I'm going to be like concentrating a lot. If I'm in my like hallway or something like that, and I'm just trying to, you know, work on my walking. I'm in my environment. I'm more relaxed I you know I know I can lean on the wall if I need to but if I'm outside in a different environment if I fall I could really hurt myself you know like anxiety levels go up a lot higher you know and it it makes it a little bit more difficult so 
it's amazing because when you think about it, right, you you never thought about taking a step. Like beforehand, you would walk. You'd say, well, I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk. Right, right. You know, right step, left step, right step. You're not, you're not doing that. You just, you knew how to do it. You did it at such a young age that your whole life, you can't probably can't remember thinking about walking. But now you have to think about like every moment of walking and it's this conscious thought and it's so exhausting with the training, because you said earlier that you trained like you trained for the games. Yeah. Did you build in because you know how it goes at the games where you have your plan of what's going on and it's like, okay, this is my event, call room, et cetera, go through all the process and then there's a delay. Yeah, <laughs> and then you're stuck, or you're stuck out there, and and for some reason, some there's a medal ceremony, and they're like, "Hold on, Jamie, you don't jump right now." And you're like, "But I'm ready to jump right now," and you've got to be prepared for that in the games. Yeah, yeah. I there think, are a whole lot know, more things that can go wrong at the church, right? As far as your plan. Right, right, right. Uh, you know that that's a good point. Uh, I think just track and field just taught me to let stuff just roll off my back, anyways. You know, so. It was it, while I was competing, you know, things like those kind of things happen. There's nothing you can do. So why stress over it and, you know, like lose the competition because of it? You know, it's like walk it off or, you know, take a second, let them do what they got to do and then come back and get refocused again. You know, and so uh, I wasn't I wasn't really worried about that. You know, like if it was taking her a long time because her dress wasn't working right or whatever, I don't know. I would have been fine. You know, I would have been fine. They would have just said, hey, uh, you know, you're going to have to wait a few more minutes. She's taking some time. Okay. You know, know, that's just how I am. And I think, like I said, track and field taught me to kind of be that way, you know. To be that way mentally, but you could handle it physically too, that standing for an additional 10 minutes. I've just burned a lot of the energy that I thought (laughs) I was going to use taking steps out out of this door, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it, it was tough even standing there. I remember, like, my, my legs hurt, and I was kind of trying to, like, sway back and forth because, you know, I was thinking about this, uh, I think, earlier today, where it's, like, when you get injured, this type of injury, like, and especially if you don't have any feeling, you know, your body cues you to do certain things, and you don't realize it on the norm because this is what's been happening your whole life. So if you're sitting down, you might adjust a little bit because you're butt's aching you or whatever well your butt's not going to ache you if you don't have feeling so that's how you have pressure sores and things like that you know um and so so that's kind of what i was doing it was like i was standing there and because uh the feeling i have impaired feeling so it's not 100 percent. like i i feel like i feel like i'm okay but then like i my knees start to get tired you know it, maybe it's my 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 body starts aching a little bit more. Then I'm like, oh, I must be getting tired. So it's like a, kind of a different, um, uh, it's kind of a different um, signal to my brain that says, okay. And then when I start moving, I feel achy. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I need to bend my leg a little bit. You know, so I kind of started rocking a little bit just to kind of like get the blood flowing through my legs a little bit. Because I think in my mind, if I didn't, I would just stand there until <laughs> till, till I probably buckle. I don't know, you know. Yeah. And then you might be really stiff. It's a, I understand exactly what you're saying in that I get that when I'm skiing where 
you don't always get sore and tired the way that you did before where a muscle is just burning. It's almost like everything just turns to jello and just stops working. And there's not much you can do to bring it back when you get to that point. Right, right, correct, correct. So your transition, one of the hardest things for athletes is that transition from being an athlete to whatever you're going to be next for you and for your wife it seems like you guys transitioned pretty quickly into into the acting i mean you were doing some acting before you before you you had your injury as well right oh yes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was doing some acting before i um finished track yeah yeah in 2008 um so i made the 2004 olympic team and the 2012 olympic team and i missed out 2008 uh, due to a controversial rule change and um, so that that summer, while I'm, you know, like watching Olympics, it's like, well, what am I gonna do? Like, I wasn't sure if, you know, like I figured like I would go another four years, but I wasn't 100% sure, and I wasn't 100% sold on what I was gonna do. You know, I knew I had loved acting and writing and producing and those kind of things, but well, not I can't say producing because I hadn't produced anything at that point, but um, I did write a script that year. And I had a lot of fun with that. And, and that was before the Olympics. And then, and then after I missed out on the Olympics, then I was like, maybe I'll take an acting class. And so I was actually in, in London at the time. And um, I took like, like a two week acting class or something like that. And I was like, yo, this was great. I, I just like really kind of fell in love. I was like, when I get back to San Diego, I'm going to find another acting class and I'm going to do some more of that. And so, um, I just kind of fell in love with it even more. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've been doing it ever since. And I did some like little commercials, some like local commercials. And I did a, um, a movie called uh, The Encounter, which is like top 10 faith-based films ever kind of a thing. And um, I got into a really good acting class and uh, I just had a lot of fun with it. So yeah, I was, I was doing the acting. And I remember thinking like in 2010, like if I get a really good acting gig or if I book like a TV, a recurring TV show or something like that, I'm done with track and field. <laughs> like I was going to, I was ready to retire, you know, but uh, that didn't happen. And I just kind of kept pushing along. And then 2012, I was like, all right, well, this is your last chance at this. Let's give it everything I got. You know, not that I didn't give it everything I got then, but it's just, I, I had a mind shift in 2012 that allowed me to do more than I had been doing and uh, end up allowing me to end up winning the Olympic trials and, and play some fit at the Olympic games that year. So. And, and so, I mean, it sounds like you had dual passions in some ways where, where the acting became, became a passion and you went full on into it, right? You had, you had an agent, you're going to auditions, you're doing, studying, doing all of that did it did it surplant the uh the the athletic side you said if you get if you get a recurring role and and part of that is also just trying to support yourself as an athlete can be a yeah, bit too, more yeah. of a challenge right it's yeah this is a job that is that is paying you on a regular basis too somewhat <laughs> yeah you know uh, track and field is 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 you know you're only getting paid how well you do you know so if you're doing well then you're probably making decent money you know but if you're not and you're doing just okay you're not making that much money so you you know you have to have sponsors or outside little hustles to kind of help uh, supplement your income so 
and that's why I was saying like if I was able to book a reoccurring role or something that would supplement my income on a normal basis, and I'll do that. I'll go there because that that seems more at the point in time it seemed more uh, stable than what I was doing with track and field, and and the sport was changing and you know there 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 used to be like three tiers of meets. There'd be like smaller meets, medium meets, and bigger meets, and then the bigger meets got even bigger and then cut out all the medium meets. So now there's only small meets and big meets. And so if you're not in the big meets, which is like top 10 in the world, you're not making good money. You know, you're going to small meets that are possibly paying 500 euros to, to, to win or appearance fee, you know, like it just, and, and then how many of those are you going to do? You're going to do five of those and make $2,500 or something. You know what I mean? Like it just, it just, it, so it, it became more difficult and, um, you know, I really feel for the athletes now because that's, that's a lot of what they're going through is if you're not top 10 in the world, you're not going to the big meets, you know, and it's hard to make money. So, but, um, but yeah, so, and, and, and you know, acting again is, is equally kind of like, you know, up in the air as well. You know, it's like, you don't, you're not booking things every day kind of a thing. I mean, most actors don't, you know, so uh, uh, I've been lucky to book a few things now, which is great. And I'm just praying that that helps to, you know, uh, keep that momentum going and I'm able to like book some more things. Uh, but then that's why I started writing as well to like kind of, you know, and producing as well to kind of just do other things. So I don't have to be 100% reliant on somebody to say, oh, we like him, <laughs> you know. I can do my own things. Which makes it a little bit easier when you're going into auditions because they can they can smell that desperation, can't they? When you're like, I need this job. I really need it. And you generally don't really get that job if you really need it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And how did how did Siobhan's uh, uh, music end up working out? So, so you said she sang at your wedding. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We came out um, with a music video. She wrote that song uh, for me called Through the Good and the Bad. And then um, we released the song on my birthday and then, which was November 2nd. Uh, and then we came out with the music video maybe later that uh, next year. Wait, oh, was that right? Oh, sorry, we released the, the video on November 2nd. We had released, uh, I think we had released the song. It was February, uh, it was a uh, Valentine's Day. And um, so, yeah, so we released the song, we re released the music video on my birthday. And then a couple months later, America's Got Talent had saw the video and reached out and wanted her to be on the show. And uh, that, that was just an amazing experience to be able to meet uh, Terry Crews and Simon and Howie and all the, the judges, you know, Sophia. And, uh, but it was also kind of a weird time because it was like right before the pandemic happened, you know, and um, so like, she did the first round, but it was still kind of like what's going on kind of a thing. And literally her first round was March 13th, <laughs> 2020. So, so. Which was a Friday too, right? Friday the yes. 13th. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next day lockdown, you know what I mean? So, uh, and she also was four months pregnant at the time too. Um, yeah. With our first kid. So uh, it, it was, I mean, the judges loved her. If you go back and watch the video, they all gave her guesses. Um, I'll, I'll make sure I'll send you the link if, if you haven't seen it, but um, uh, they loved her and they want to move on to the next round. Well, then the show kind of was up in the air and are they going to come back and do it? You know, everything was kind of like, who knows what's going to happen? And 
they decide to go to Vegas and do some stuff in Vegas. And it's crazy because like the place where they actually audition is literally five minutes away from where we live. They do the auditions in Pasadena, which is kind of crazy. I, we never knew that. We've been living here for years. So, But anyways, uh, so that was cool. But now they're trying to do it in Vegas and weren't quite sure. And she, you know, she was pregnant. And so we just decided to like step away. And, and uh, you know, if it was meant for us to kind of come back maybe next year or the year after, then we would do that. But uh, we just didn't feel like it was worth it to continue on with the show. But um, a, lot of, a lot of people loved the, the story. They did an amazing job. Um, you know, and the video came out great. And yeah, so that, that was that. And then, and then now just recently, as, as I was telling you before we got on, we just released a new song or she just released a new song called uh, Born to be a Star. And we're dedicating that to our new <laughs> baby that she's about to have um, at the end of this month. So, uh, and, and dedicated to both of our kids. So, which was uh, two years ago, our first kid, and then now our, our new kid. Uh, being born so so uh yeah definitely excited about that video you know it's on youtube people just go to siobhanmusic.com or just type in siobhan music um on in their youtube uh they'll be able to find her pretty easy it's s-h-e-v-o-n so siobhan music pretty easy okay well we'll post it as well uh off of off of this link so that people can get to it too uh, but that's a, I mean, it, it, you guys have gone from challenging environment to another challenging environment. I mean, you talk about just the challenges of America's Got Talent and you think this can be a launching point. Like this can be, this can be that moment that gets, that gets me to, you know, to the biggest, bigger producers, that gets me to a tour, that gets me to this, that gets me to that. And then, and then you have the pandemic and, it's funny. Do you think about the the objective of kind of being that close to the margin kind of thing? You know, like as an athlete, that's where you are. You're you're right on on the edge, like on that cliff's edge, and it's kind of where you live. And, and trying to trying to find a, a a bit more security and keep pushing forward, but it is it is kind of that that teetering on the cliff, teetering on the knife edge, whatever you want to call it. And then acting and and music can be that same kind of thing. Is there something in you guys that that draws you to that kind of a challenge? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think we just go for the things that we love and the things that we, you know, we dream about. You know, I think we we are dreamers in the beginning because I don't think that, you know, maybe normal or rational people think, hey, let me be an Olympian. Hey, let me see if I can go jump over this seven foot eight bar, you know, like. Like rationally, that doesn't make a lot of sense, you know, but we dream of those things and why not? I think that's the question that we ask ourselves a lot of time. Why not? Why can't she be amazing? Why can't she sing and do what she wants to do? Why can't I act, write, and produce? You know, why not? What, what's holding me back? You know, so uh, we've been going after our dreams all our lives. Why stop now? Exactly. And, and in some ways, you're going to be held to a higher standard if that's what you believe, right? You have a two-year-old and you have and you have one on the way very soon on the way and and i would imagine that that's that you want to instill in them that same kind of same kind of belief that you have do you feel like you're held to a higher standard now that you have children uh, yeah you know i just hope that i that to, to set a great example for for them and uh you know that they will go out to their dreams as well you know i i always 
think about that quote, you know, a, a man that finds something he loves never works a day in his life, you know, like, so I want them to find something they love to do that way they're happy. I don't, I don't want them to be miserable at a nine to five job if that's not what they don't want to do, you know what I mean? Right, exactly. And it might well be be different. I was talking to another friend of mine who is who is an Olympian, who is a swimmer. His wife was a sprint swimmer, and neither of their kids did any swimming. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, soccer yeah. and volleyball, I think, is uh, or, or track and volleyball actually is what it was. So, it's, so it's kind of interesting how how kids sometimes you guys have paved the way. You know, I mean, like just talking about like your your rehabilitation in some ways you know how the body works like just just trying to get that your get your quad basically your knee up to up to parallel or up to 90 degrees like that's that's something that you understand how your body works and 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 you understand that technique which is often which is something that then you could pass on very easily to your children that okay let's let's do it right the first time as opposed to trying to undo the bad habits and then try to try to figure it out. You guys do a bunch of stuff with your foundation too. I mean, talking about it's not just raising children, but what is what is your attempt? What is your mission with your with your foundation? Yeah, so the foundation is called Helping Others Triumph. And so basically when I got injured, I didn't have uh, any insurance or anything like that. Um, I was being a coach kind of freelance being a coach of post-collegiate athletes. And so uh, a lot of people, you know, people who I didn't even realize lives I had touched just by meeting them or, or, or just passing by, you know, at a competition or wherever, everybody like uh, decided to pitch in and kind of help me out. And uh, so that was kind of the same thing that I wanted to do for other people who had been injured is, you know, people don't always have access to certain things um, and don't always have the money or don't always have the insurance. So if there's something that we can do, maybe pay for a session for, um, you know, for rehab or get a, somebody a massage or, you know, acupuncture, whatever it is that we, you know, that is that they want to do. Uh, that's what our, our, our foundation does. It, it raises money to help people uh, in the disability or in, in, with neurological issues um, to, to get rehab. So that's that's what we want to do. And it's rehab, it's traditional, it's non-traditional. Because yeah. you went through, I'd imagine, a big part of that. You say your faith was a huge part of it. But when people are telling you no, that this is the way things go, I'd imagine you were opening up as many doors as you could and exploring whatever possibilities were out there too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, uh, you know, I did all that. I did the acupuncture, I did massaging. I, I mean, I I need another massage, but because of the pandemic, again, you know, I've been, uh, I've been uh, regressing on my massages, which is kind of, anyways, but uh, so, so yeah, I mean, and then obviously traditional rehab as well, you know, so, um, you know, we, we want to be able to help people out how I was helped out and, uh, you know, they can check out the, the website. It's uh, helpingotherstriumph.org. And uh, like I said, everything that gets donated goes towards uh, the foundation uh, in helping other people with neurological uh, issues, you know, spinal cord injuries or whatever. You know? so, and what what's your role and what's the role of your wife with, with the foundation? Uh, we're the CEO. So we're, we're the people who just, you know, 
we run the whole thing <laughs> run the whole thing but then you're out there raising money you're you're promoting you're you're marketing you're you're doing sounds like you're wearing all the hats all that <laughs> that's the only way you know that's the only way to do it you know if you're waiting around for somebody else to do it you're gonna wait a long time so you might as well get on the horse and do it yourself you know exactly now you said that you're in between a couple of different acting gigs where can people see you right now well so um most recently i was on i, I i'm doing a show called uh power uh and uh 50 cent came out with a show you know five six years ago called power and then there was a few uh continuations or spinoffs from that show and i'm in power book three raising canaan and uh my first episode actually just aired um i think it was last week and uh, not this weekend that just passed but the weekend before um and yeah it was it was great it was amazing and uh you know we're still working on that and so i'm excited to continue to be doing that and um uh, yeah, it's on stars. And so you guys okay. can check that was going to be my next question. <laughs> yeah, it's on stars comes on Sundays. And uh, yeah, I, I did a few episodes in this season. So, you know, keep your guys eyes peeled. You'll see. <laughs> and how, how is that being on a set being, I mean, you said you're a track athlete. So track athletes, oftentimes, there's a hurry up and wait part of part of the whole program, right? And, and acting, there's there's sometimes a bit of a hurry up and wait program too. Are you are you prepared for that? Does it? How does how does that environment? How, how do you embrace that environment? Oh, it's fine. I I don't, I don't worry about that too much. Um, you know, I I just want to be as prepared as possible. I worked on another show prior to this called Away, starring Hilary Swank. Uh, and Josh Charles, and that that's on Netflix now, so you guys can go watch that. But uh, you know, they 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 were really accommodating, and sometimes it was that point in time where it was like I would get on set and we waited for a little while, and then sometimes it was like, hey, we're ready to go right now, and you know, get in your wardrobe and let's go, you know, get makeup and everything. So um, I'm used to it. it. It's fine. It's it's not a big deal. Uh, I, I just just want to always just make sure I'm ready as best as possible because I don't want to be that guy who gets on set. And it's like, oh, what's my line again? Or, you know, I, uh, what was I supposed to do? You know, I, I don't want to be that guy. So I just really try to just over prepare. So if I have time before, you know, I, and I'm just waiting to get on set, more than likely I'm just running my lines, running my lines, running my lines, you know, making sure that I'm over prepared so I can be as free as possible when I'm in the scene. You know? So preparation for you then is is really just knowing your lines, making sure that you're off book, that you're fully memorized. Is that, is that preparation or is it, or is it, you know, trying out, you know, taking, taking a couple of risks here and there and like, Hey, maybe if I try this like this, or maybe if I try that like that, or, you know, what's, what's, you know, cause as an athlete, I think that, that a big part of it. And as an actor, I think it's the same thing is this objective of like letting go, right. You do all your work and then you go and you don't think about it when it happens how do you get with your preparation to that point where it's like okay i can let go and be free yeah i do all that you know i, I try different things you know uh different ways to say lines you know and I, and I really just try to be as present as possible and listen to whoever i'm working with because they might give me a line reading where i'm like like i oh i didn't expect that and and and, and just really try to just have that most natural reaction 
and it's fine because I know my lines. Now I can react to that, whatever they just gave me. You know what I mean? And hopefully I'm doing the same thing. I try not to be the same on every take. Sometimes I am just because the director's like, okay, we like that. Let's stay there. Cool. I'll stay there. No problem. But if you're still letting me do stuff, let me try it this way. Let me try it this way. Maybe I'll improv a line if I'm if you're okay for me to improv a line. And you know, because I write, I think about those things a lot as well. And, and so uh, you know, I might add an extra line to give something a little bit more, you know. And sometimes those things make it in. I mean, this uh this uh, last show, you know, that came out a few weeks ago, um, I think I had like two or three improv lines that, that made it in, you know, which was really cool. So <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's all that. Yeah, you just want to be as prepared as possible. Kind of like high-fiving yourself afterwards sort of thing. Like, hey, I got a couple of my improv lines in. Things are good. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> How is that? Because so much of acting is funny in the way that it's that there's a fair amount of endurance in acting where you're doing it, you're shooting over and over, you're doing another scene and you're trying to bring that same energy you're a guy who is bringing energy to jump over seven foot eight. Yeah. Is that a part of it? Like being able to bring that energy and, and know that you have it like it's, it's endurance, but it's explosive at the same time. Yeah. 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 It's funny that you say, I never thought about it that way, but yeah. in high jumping, <laughs> you, you, you jump and then you go sit down for 10, 15, 20 minutes and in extreme cases, maybe an hour. And then you jump again. You know, like in the Olympics in 2004, I took three jumps in three hours in the qualifying round. That that's that's a lot of time, you know. Um, so you got to be able to sit down, relax, and just harness your energy, and then get up and get excited, and then go jump, and then sit down and relax. <laughs> you know what I mean? So so I, I'm actually really used to that. So uh, yeah, when I guess when I'm doing it in acting, maybe I'm not even really thinking about it. So it's like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm all right, I can just relax for a minute. And then if you need me to go again, okay, let's go. Uh, I, I do like to keep that energy up because it, it, even though I know how to do it, it's, it's, it can be hard sometimes. It's, this last time that I shot, we were filming the whole night. It's like four o'clock in the morning and I'm like, oh, you know, like I'm, I'm like sleepy, you know? So <laughs> I did something that I don't normally do is um, I drank a coffee. I've never drank coffee before. I was like, let me just try it. Maybe it'll help me to stay up. And literally within like two minutes, I was like, oh, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Why haven't I done this before? But uh, yeah, so, uh, and, and I felt like I had good energy, you know, for the rest of the night, which was, which, which was good, you know, or the rest of the morning, I should say. Right, right. Yeah, the middle of the night, the dark part of the night or whatever it is. It's, yeah, I mean, that that's the hard part. That's the behind the scenes that people don't get a chance to see. Like yeah. being at the Olympics, they don't get a chance to see that it's like, getting from the village to the venue to this to that going through security yeah. everything that the waiting know, room I'm kind of yeah. tired by the time I get there and and acting's that same thing where it's like yeah you just don't give your line once and then you're done and sometimes they're shooting out of sequence and oh yeah mm -hmm. yeah so you're not building that arc you're like okay this is this is the really important scene this is the this is the one where where you you have the you know the the transformational breakthrough and you're like okay and now we're going to go back and do the one where it's the opening you know yeah and, right, so, right yeah it's kind of a challenge but it's so cool i mean it's so cool what you're doing 
in terms of uh, in terms of your rehab, in terms of in terms of your wife singing, in terms of your acting, in terms of what you're doing for other people and stuff like that. So, Jamie, thank you so much for for doing what you do and and for joining us. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Chris. And hopefully, this is able to really inspire some people get out there to follow their dreams. You know. I, I think so. And I think you did a great job of, of telling your story and getting into the into sort of the nitty gritty of it, too, of just, you know, this is the way that these things work. So thank you for being willing to go there. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And thank you to all of you for tuning in. We we appreciate you tuning in. As we say every week, the greatest gift you can give us is to tell your friends. Go tell your friends. Tell your friends to tune in. Tell them you, you heard a great story or you watched a great story. And and they need to tune in next week because we'll have another another great guest. This will be a traditional podcast. And if you wouldn't mind, we'd love for you to follow us. We'd love for you to like us, to download the podcast, and we'll continue to bring you great content. So thank you all. Thank you, Jamie. And thanks all of you. Hey.